was swimming in the Hudson was a pretty surreal thing. Was it I don't cold? know if you ever, it wasn't, it was actually quite warm, pretty gross. I couldn't even see my hand in front of me as I would swim. The water was that dirty and I had nightmares leading up to it. I don't know if you ever watched the show NYPD Blues. I remember my parents watching that as a kid and Sipowitz, yeah. the guy that wore the short sleeve shirt. No joke. I had nightmares for months leading up to it of swimming and Sipowitz pulling bodies out, me getting pulled out of the Hudson. <laughs> You're like, so. oh, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Justin Schaus. He's a mortgage broker based out of St. Catharines, Ontario. He's been a broker for three years. And prior to that, he worked as a bank mortgage specialist. And prior to that, he worked in banking. And we have a great discussion about what surprised him most about being a broker. So making that transition from banking to brokering. We talked about how long it took him to replace his income from a bank specialist that hint not as long as you probably think and he shares how mapping his customer journey had transformed his business and has allowed him to continue to scale and it was a fantastic conversation that I have with Justin I think you're really going to enjoy it in the ask expert segment I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about three uses of text messaging and I just want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform that's linked to Lender Spotlight. So you can go in there. Not only is it really easy for clients to get you applications and you to review them and get their documents and to review them, but you can also review Lender Spotlight, find out the rates and the guidelines for all the lending options that are available. And now you can even submit directly from Finmo directly to lenders. So check them out and check out this conversation with Justin. Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and your business. So a little bit about myself. I live in St. Catharines or the Niagara region. I've been doing mortgages now. It's actually my 10th year of doing it, which is a great milestone. Happy to have hit it. Previously with one of the big banks for seven years, three years in the mortgage broker space. I have a wife. We have two young daughters. And yeah. So, okay. What made you make the decision to leave? Were you at the bank previous to this directly? Were you like a bank specialist or what were you doing at the bank? I was, yeah, I was a mortgage specialist at one of the banks. And it was just, you know what, as the business kind of grew, just found myself looking to be able to provide clients with more options, right? It kind of, you know, hurt me to turn clients away. So it was nice to kind of have some more options and more tools in the tool bag to be able to provide them the clients. So I always find it interesting when I talk to people like yourself, Justin, who've got this deep bank background that makes the transition. So what was the biggest challenge for you transitioning from on the bank side, bank specialist to now being a mortgage broker? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges that I found was, you know, you move over to the broker space thinking, oh, it's going to be great. We have all these different lenders that we're going to be able to use, which is great. But the challenge is, is, you know, in my world coming from the bank, you know, the mortgage was just able to fit within inside that box. And then all of a sudden you come over to this space. Yes, you have multiple different lenders that you can work with and it's learning all the little nuances and different things. You know, I have a philosophy now being in it for three years, you know, every lender is really good at one thing or a couple things. Something. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I just figure that, what that, is that thing? What is that thing? And then once you kind of figure that out, it's a very valuable tool kind of when you're on that initial call with a client where you can quickly identify and know kind of what avenue they're going or where you need to place them. Okay, so what surprised you most about doing this as a broker now instead of doing it as a banker? One of the biggest things for me was how much I was welcomed as a broker. You know, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of success in the bank. So, you know, to call a realtor or to call a real estate office, a financial planner, whoever it is, you know, I was very fortunate. I had a very good reputation. So to get that meeting was not difficult. But once I made the move from the bank to the broker space, 
the whole conversation changed. You know, I felt as if I was able to provide more value and those referral sources recognized that and invited us in, you know, I say us, but, you know, invited me in to be able to hear more about what we could do, how we could help. And it's actually, it's helped tremendously, right? It's fun again, right? You kind of learn a little bit more about the business and their, you know, referral sources are willing to open up a little bit more about their business as opposed to them just thinking, I have this client, you work at this bank. How do we get that client to that bank? So before I was just more the rep for that bank. Whereas, you know, as soon as I left, I was like, oh my goodness, now I can be the tool. You have multiple clubs in your golf bag now compared to before you had one club. It was a good club. It worked, but now you've got like, you know, a dozen clubs that you can. Absolutely. But now you've got to learn how to use all those clubs. That's the difference. Like, I got to use the short one and the long one. And it's more complex, but ultimately simpler in the long run. Okay. So one last question on this. So what did you think of brokers or what were you conditioned to think of brokers before you became one? Was there a certain narrative or did you not think about brokers at all? I'm just curious. Yeah. So again, that's what made the transition easy for me. You know, when, when I would sit and have conversations with my wife, you know, when the kids went to bed or whatever it was and be like, how do we get more business from John? Or how do we get more business from this office? And how do we do it? And, you know, I constantly kept coming back to the, if I was a real estate agent, I would use a broker. So it was, you know, for me to kind of, to make that move and do that, I just answered my own question, right? It was natural. If you were the realtor sitting in that situation, you have somebody with 14 golf clubs and somebody with one. I'm simplifying it a little bit there, but essentially that's a big difference. Okay, I lied. One more question because, you know, as a bank specialist, I'm sure you were doing very well. How long did it take you to get past that to basically duplicate your income as a mortgage broker versus a banker? From an income perspective, we were able to hit it within the first year. We didn't even see a dip. If anything, it was a better quality of life to make the same amount of money. Okay. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Okay. So before we dive into the rest of your story, after talking about this, can you share a quote that's had a real impact on your life or business? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to listening to motivational YouTube videos and that. And I always kind of come back to Eric Thomas, who's a motivational speaker. Love that And guy. it's take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity. Mm, that's good. So how have you applied that to your life or business? So, you know, life, I look at it all the time, you know, spending time with the kids. We have two young girls that are five and seven that want to still hang out with us and they still like us. So, you know, it's embracing that and taking advantage of that opportunity to spend as much time with them as we possibly can. And in business, I look at it that I'm very fortunate to do what I do every day, you know, take advantage of the opportunity with a referral source because their life might change and they may move on to something different as well. So he's got a great quote on it. When you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. That I love that one. That's yeah, another great yeah. one from, so check him out if you're the listening. Gu- the guru, right? It's probably him. He's probably saying there's a guru. It's probably him drowning some yeah, yeah. Make him, give him a motivation. So yeah. just touch on something you said there. So you said that, you know, spending time with kids. So give me an example of like how you make that happen. You're a busy mortgage broker. Your business is growing. What kind of things do you do to make sure that you still get that time with your kids? Yeah, I book it. I mean, I don't miss a sporting event or a sporting event, a kid's activity, right? So, I mean, now we're just starting sports, dance and and gymnastics and all that fun stuff. But if they have, you know, before all this lockdown stuff, when they had something at school, I made sure I went to it. When we did class trips, I was the first person to volunteer and go. I just make sure I book it. I mean, one of the things we're fortunate in this business is the flexibility in our schedule, right? So I like that and I take advantage of it. I think it's great that I can get my kids off the bus, right? So it kind of creates some hecticness, I guess, in our schedule sometimes. But again, I love the opportunity, the fact that we can do that. Right. And we get paid pretty well for the type of, you know, we don't have to get dirty or nothing. Okay. So failure happens. Obviously it's never fun, but I always think looking back, there's lessons on failure. So can you share something you failed at, but now looking back, there was a lesson in it for you? 
Yeah. So there's one thing I think of all the time, actually, I like to do a lot of endurance sports and I ran the Toronto marathon and throughout the Toronto marathon, I was running with a friend, me and a buddy had done it and we were kind of running side by side. And you know, funny thing is I had to stop, take a pee very early on in the race. So, you know, when you do those races, you kind of know exactly what your pace is at per kilometer and what you're running. And believe it or not that you know, if you run a little bit faster, it can determine whether you finish the race or not. So I had to stop for a pee, which was a long one, kind of lost four minutes and tried to make up that four minutes in that very short period of time. So what I found myself doing is as soon as I crossed the 22 kilometer mark, I had to walk the rest of it. So, you know, one of the things, you know, how is that challenging? Mm -hmm. What did that mean is, is yeah. it was you know what? I didn't follow the plan. I didn't trust the process. I tried to rush something, which I knew I knew deep down, you can't rush that. You know, it's that whole saying, it's not a race, it's a marathon. Yeah, because it really was a marathon. And yeah. what's interesting with that is I hear like guys like Tom Brady, when they get behind on, they say, don't try to make it all up in one play, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, you got behind, you're like, hey, I'm going to just push a little harder. But knowing that you still got whatever 40 kilometers left means you can't do it. So that's a really good insight. So how have you applied that to business? Have you applied this idea of like, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint? Have you applied? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of going through that right now, right? We have extremely ambitious goals for this upcoming year. And it's having the plan, knowing what we're doing, trusting the activities, trusting what it is we're doing every single day to make sure that we hit the end goal, right? So it's making sure that, you know, in a marathon, very important to run at your pace, follow your nutrition, be hydrated. So if you kind of take that, it's, you know, waking up, doing your morning routine, doing your prospecting calls, working on the client journey. All those things right. are part of the process to make sure that we hit the end goal. Right. That's really, really good. So what's the single biggest change you made your business in the last 12 months? Created a client journey. Give me an example of how that helped you or helped your process or I'm just curious. Yeah. So for me, I always thought that our process was pretty tight. I mean, we've been doing it for a while. We had it down. Things were running really smoothly. And everyone always said to me, oh, you know, put it to paper, put it to paper. And I fought it forever. And actually, it was with you when I did it and first started doing it and put it all down. And it was things I am doing or things I wanted to do. And when we start looking at it, I was actually able to find the inefficiencies in it or the things that I'm not willing to do, which has now led us into. That's also important. To, okay, give yeah, me some example of something you're not willing to do. Once you did this, you're like, wait, why am I doing this? And what did you do with it? Yeah. So a lot of it is simple as touch points throughout the entire process, right? We were doing a decent job at it, but it wasn't that repeatable thing that we were able to do. So now we're recently brought on new CRM. We're automating it all, just different touch points. We're realizing that there's some things we can't automate. We need to do manually and it's motivate. I do have an assistant, somebody who works with me. And I think it's kind of allowed us to both take ownerships of the task, both be a part of that meeting once a week when we sit down and discuss it and understand, hey, how did it go this week? Well, that didn't work. You know, that automation went out or yeah. it's not working. We're able to tweak. You know, it's empowered my employee and my yeah. staff. And it's actually made me excited about, hey, this is going to work, right? This is going right. to be super smooth and people are happy. And, you know, even just implementing different milestones throughout the client journey and clicking and dragging the engagement with our clients through initial call to approval has been enormous, right? I mean, my assistant was reluctant. She's like, oh, this is so much more work. I'm like, trust me, it'll work. And once we started seeing it's that more extra work in the short term, but not in the long term. That's right. And once we started seeing the engagement, oh, thank you. And all these different little touch points, you can see the excitement right. in the client and then being in the know. Yeah, exactly. I always see it's like, if you're going to have a restaurant, you got to have your recipes 
dialed in before you move out of the kitchen. And so now somebody else can be in the kitchen prepping stuff for you, right? That's really, really good. Okay, so what was your biggest takeaway or what's helped you the most from being in the academy? Yeah, so one of the things I look at, one is the mindset, right? And just kind of changing your mindset on things. I mean, you're definitely surrounded with a ton of positive people and successful people that are willing to share. You just need to make sure that you ask the questions and people are usually willing to give you the answers. The way I kind of look at it is I look at it, you know, you do it in kind of quarters and I look at each quarter as a little fun project, a little fun project that's going to move the needle on the business, right? It's really kind of a set curriculum that is done by successful brokers. And if you Mm -hmm. follow that curriculum, you can kind of tweak it and make it your own. Again, it's just a positive fun. Once you start doing it, it's hard to explain. If you don't come in with an open mindset, and open to learn and kind of have your guard up, it won't work. But if you're open Mm -hmm. to kind of take the little nuggets that people are willing to show you and put them in, it's been tenfold. And I think we're, what, seven or eight months together now, and it's done a whirlwind for what we're doing and where we want to go. You know what? I like to break the business into quarters too. Whatever business you're in, it'd be like, okay, because you can't fix everything at once. So it's prioritize and then you know, spend a quarter really dialing it in. So for you this quarter, what's your priority? What is the thing that you're trying to really get owned in on this quarter? Yeah. So this quarter is going to be getting our CRM set up and automation of milestones with clients throughout the client journey. I like to plan out the full four quarters, but I know that I give myself permission to be like, wait a second, there's a better opportunity. When COVID first hit, there was a lot of pivoting that had to happen when we didn't know what was going to happen with real estate, right? So when you're looking down the path, what are you sort of thinking will come after that once you get this dialed in? After it, we're just looking for some new content and presentations. Again, in realizing and creating that client journey and assigning the different tasks, I realized that one of the passions that I have is presenting and talking in front of referral sources and clients. Yeah, That's something that, again, I always kind of knew it, but I would thought I needed to be in more involved in the mortgage process. Whereas now right. it's, you know, highlighting that client journey and kind of going through it. It's more, wait a sec, I can delegate that. I can delegate that. I'll right. hire somebody. Stay in your that. sweet spot, basically. Before we turn on the recorder, you had mentioned something about your last meeting before Christmas was the financial advisor. So how is that going with you? Are you finding you're getting success with financial advisors? What's that look like? It's a new avenue for us, to be honest. We've been really focused primarily just on realtors in the past and looking for some different avenues and different kind of buckets to hit within the business, right? I don't know if it'll continue and pursue, but it's just something of kind of looking at, you know, you kind of never know where you're going to kind of end potentially sometimes, right? You know what? It's fun. It was a good group of guys that I know personally, and it was an opportunity to kind of go and do something different. Actually, I had reached out to them. And one of the things I did is I don't believe in providing them with what I think they need to know. It was really more around a discussion of the gentleman I knew. It was, hey, you know, you're in the business. You've been in it for 30 years, your second generation. You run a team of 12 people. What value or what information do you think your people need to know? So, you know, he was able to kind of give me three or four points and, oh, great. You know, two of those points were what I thought he would want. But then he brought but up you don't, you didn't have to assume. You didn't have to assume. I didn't. And, you know, I've done that with accountants too, right? Where I've called accountants and been like, what do you want to know? I think I know the answer, right? And kind of ironically, the same thing. Three of the four points that he brought up was what I did. But it just makes it look like I asked the question. I listened to you. Now I'm going to go present you the material that you asked for. Yeah, right. That's a much better way to do it. Okay, so I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions now. So what's one thing people can't find out from Google? Yeah, if they dug deep enough, they might be able to find it. Again, I mentioned the endurance stuff that I did. I competed in the one and only New York City Ironman triathlon, and I swam in the Hudson River. Oh, wow. And so what was the length of this triathlon? 
Yeah, so it's an Ironman triathlon. So that's a four kilometer swim, 180 kilometer bike, and then a full marathon, 42 kilometers at the end. Dude, that's not normal. Like any of those one events is a big event. Ironman is like just a whole other thing, man. Yeah, yeah but swimming in the Hudson was a pretty surreal thing. Was it I don't cold? know if you ever, it wasn't, it was actually quite warm pretty gross. I couldn't even see my hand in front of me as I would swim. The water was that dirty and I had nightmares leading up to it. I don't know if you ever watched the show NYPD Blues. I remember my parents watching that as a kid and Sipowitz, the guy that wore the short sleeve shirt. No joke. I had nightmares for months leading up to it of swimming and Sipowitz pulling bodies out, me getting pulled out of the (laughs) house. Oh, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Rudy. Oh, that's a good one. And what's three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without? Yeah, Calendly, Zapier. And like I mentioned, we're excited. I believe Blue Mortgage is going to be one of them. We're just launching that, about to hit the go button on it. Sweet, man. What's one book you recommend for our listeners? Oh, I'll admit I'm not a reader. I do audiobooks all the time and I take little nuggets from each book. Okay, what's one you'd listen to then? What's an audiobook you should listen to? Yeah, so one of the ones I'm doing right now that's resonating a lot with me is Will Smith's book, his new book that just came out which kind of speaks to kind of what we discussed earlier, where it's, you know, building a wall is putting one brick down at a time. Right. That's totally true. Okay. If you're in an elevator with your ideal client, how do you explain what you do? You got 30 seconds. Yeah. So, I mean, I would just look at them honestly and kind of joke with them and say, you know, don't be afraid of the word mortgage as many people are that through a conversation, we can show you how a mortgage can be a powerful tool to help you and your family meet your financial goals. Right. That's good. You've done that before. Okay, so let's say I can put you in the car of the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Do you know that they were actually going to use a freezer for that, but then they decided that's a bad idea because kids would probably climb into freezers. So they used the car, which is actually cooler. But in any case, so we put you in the car, send you back to your first day as a mortgage broker. What would be three pieces of advice you give yourself? Yeah, I would say, you know, get a coach or a mentor and make sure that you surround yourself with good people. Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I've sat with a lot of different mortgage people that are getting into the business. And, you know, although it's extremely important, they sit and think that they got to read policy and procedures and do all that stuff that can all be done. Once you get a deal, once you get out there, you'll realize that the questions you get asked are all very, very similar Mm -hmm. and they're not typically policy and procedure type. So really get yourself out there and don't get caught up reading a book, get yourself out there, get the deal, bring it home and figure out what it is you're doing. Be patient, be patient, do the activities and trust the process. Right. Just don't try to rush the marathon. Yeah. Don't try to rush the marathon. I'll even put a fourth one in there. Just make sure you're having fun. Right. And marathons for most people are not fun. Just saying, are you still doing a lot of running or just starting to get back into it? There's a local race here that I've signed up for the end of March and hopefully we're able to do it. But end of March, which will be a 30 K run. So I'm starting the path of pain, right? So I'm downstairs running on the treadmill three, four times a week, which I enjoy the feeling. I enjoy the whole, I enjoy how I feel after I run. So I just ordered a Peloton treadmill. We just got one in December. We love it. We got the bike too. I started with the bike. We've had it. And again, I enjoy it because it's great music. Going to do it anyways. You know, super positive messages that you kind of get throughout it. And it's easy, super convenient. So we love it. We got the bike and the treadmill. Even my wife was skeptical about the treadmill and she's even down there using it and loves it. Yeah, it's it's supposed to come in three to five weeks. And it's like, oh, we'll be here in like eight days. I'm like under promise over deliver. Because as soon as we hit the order button, it's like, oh, we'll be here. I'm like, really? said three to five weeks. How awesome is that? So it creates yeah, a little yeah. moment. When you ordered it, did it do the same? Or how long did it take? We had it within a week. Yeah, so that's what I mean. But what did it tell you it would take? They told me on the phone when I ordered it, it would be, I think it was the same five to six weeks. Yeah, so there's a marketing lesson there for you guys. Like if you can under promise and over deliver, you're going to create a moment of wow, that's free. 
essentially. Absolutely. Like they probably yeah. knew before I hit the order button that it was not going to be three to five weeks, but the website said that. And then I got the surprise of, oh, you know, that, that little <laughs> moment of like, of awesome. So can you run with other people on the, those things? I don't know how that works. You can. You can, yes, actually. I don't do it too often, but you can kind of follow people, create groups, and then challenge. Right, right. I'm going to find you on there, so maybe we'll do something. I'm not very fast, so maybe I'll just turn the treble on and be on it. I'll have that thing cranked up at full speed. Like, how is he so fast for so long? I'm sitting there watching TV. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, man. Good chat with you, Justin. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for checking out that conversation with Justin. And it's always exciting to see when somebody gets focused on their business and what they can do. If you are a banker or you know a banker thinking about becoming a mortgage broker, go check out welovebankers.ca. It's for people that are in the Canadian mortgage space that are mortgage specialists that want to become mortgage brokers. We have some resources that we put available for you. So go check that out. In this upcoming conversation I'm going to have with Tom, we talk about three uses of text messaging that you can embed in your CRM and in your process to make your you know loans go more efficiently. Hey Tom, welcome to the show. Hey Scott, great to be back. So today we're going to be talking about the top three uses of text messaging or SMS to communicate with your clients. You can do it way more places, but we're going to yeah. talk about kind of three key uses that people can use when it comes to using text. So yeah, let's jump into it. Sure. You know, kind of setting the tone right off the bat. I think, you know, text messages I think are just going to be used way more and more. You know, you look at open rates, you look at response rates. It's just ridiculous when you compare it to emails, how much higher they are. So we always, when we talk to our clients, encourage them to use that. And we really do see those results. And really, I think what it comes down to is just different psychology, right? People feel like they need to respond to texts. Maybe not so much the case with emails. So getting right into it, we're talking about the three top uses. Number one in my book right off the bat, and this goes out to maybe those online brokers out there, is if someone's writing into your website, web form, whatever it might be, Google ads, Facebook ad, whatever it might be, within 60 seconds, they should get a text message from you saying, hey, thank you so much. Here's my contact details. Let's schedule a call. Right. So basically leads and there's a, you know, one and a half billion dollar mortgage company that does a lot of online stuff and they use this within like how many seconds before when a lead comes in and they do a lot of online leads, but it's like 60 seconds or 30 seconds or something. Yeah. Like it's really instant. As soon as it comes through, hits those different touch points to get into the CRM. As soon as it lands there, instantly sends that text message out. Cause especially these online leads, when they write into your form, they've also just written into five other forms. So having that text message within about 60 seconds is kind of the rule I say is just golden, right? It's really going to differentiate you above the rest. Right. Speed to lead. And you know, some of the stats, I was looking this up before we chatted, but apparently like with text, it's got a 98% open rate compared to emails averages 20%. So like just from a, Hey, do you want people to see it? Even if you send those emails, it's literally almost five times more likely to be seen. So, okay. So first is leads. So, you know, anytime a lead fills out an app or something, a text is a great like, oh, wow, there's a real person. Yeah. And maybe just one last thing on that last one, too, is like make it personal, too. Right. I mean, I always say, hey, our competition is not other brokers. It's the banks. The banks have to be rigid. They have to go certain things. Advantages brokers is being personal, saying, hey, this is Tom. I'm your broker. What's up? You know, however you would like to talk, you know, do that in your text messages. That right. goes make it long, human. Right? Like, what's up? Do that like with that long what's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Question exactly. mark. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Who's this guy? Okay, <laughs> yeah. so what's the second time that SMS yeah can be useful? 
Yeah, I think the next place I always really recommend it is ahead of meetings. And I think, you know, historically, we've always gotten, you know, the Outlook pings and we've just learned to dismiss those or we've gotten the email. And what we found, you know, for booking calls ourselves, but also working with our clients who are booking discovery meetings or going through pre-approvals or going through an approval with someone, you want to meet, you get that time on the calendar, you've worked so hard to kind of arrange this time, adding a text message, usually around 30 minutes before the meeting, goes a super, super long way. Like we've seen attendance rates really, really increase because again, the text message is a different medium. People aren't used to it. It's not this invite that they just dismiss. It's something that they are paying attention to. And at the very least, when they see it and they can't make it, they're responding to you, right? So then you can manage your day and you're not wasting that time. So absolutely ahead of any type of meeting, getting that text message in is a huge, huge utility for you. Right, so leads and then meetings. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Like when I get stuff in my inbox, I think I've got to inbox zero once in the last year. And it was like That's for good. five minutes, but it was like, <laughs> oh, and then it's like, yeah. now I'm not at zero right now. I got down to like 30, yeah. 20 or 30. And I was like, oh, it just gets exhausting. But so people don't see it. So even if they have every yeah. intention of showing up, the reminder via text is definitely a powerful way to do it. So what would be another use case that works really well for SMS and text? Yeah. Yeah. This one's kind of a cheeky one. It's one of my favorites. I think it's a scenario that a lot of people can relate to. It's that scenario where, hey, I have a great discovery call with someone. We're really vibing and feels like this is going to be a great deal. You know, they're ready to go. You send them, you know, your application online if you do it that way or however the next step is. And then it's just nothing, right? Radio silence and, you know, follow ups happen, still nothing, still nothing. I think a great kind of tool on how text message, just because it is a different medium, can really be used is sending that text message a week or two later saying, hey, do I even have the right email here? Hey, are you still, you know, that sort of thing. Hey, just making sure I have your right contact information. Right. Because it's text message is a little bit different. Maybe you do have the wrong contact information, first of all, so you can reach out that way. But also it's kind of, like I said, a cheeky way to say, hey, kind of what's going on, what's happening yeah. without being too intrusive. Exactly. Right, right. So yeah, cold yeah. prospects is what you'd say would be another use case where you're just, hey, just confirming you got my email, question yeah. mark. You know, exactly. and then it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, I got it. Great. I'm going to look at it later. Fantastic. Like, yeah, it's just, just been it, super busy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I totally or like, screw it's... you. I'm going to my bank. No, they don't use that. But like <laughs> often yeah, yeah. mortgage brokers will put stories in our heads. They're not even true. Like we'll be like, oh, my gosh. Like what? Ha-? And then meanwhile, it's like, oh, I just was busy. It was nothing personal. You know, yeah, I'd like, say uh, in most of the time, that's what it is. But we get ourselves worked into a. Yeah. Or have different goals or, or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. It's just just getting that info. And yeah, it's just that touch point that's a little bit different. And, you know, who knows, like I said, maybe you do have the wrong email and that's just a different way to be smart about the information that you have with your customers. Right. Just confirming yeah. you got my email. So yeah. let's uh, wrap this up. So maybe just do a quick recap for us on the three kind of best use cases that you found for using text and SMS. Yep. So first, right off the bat, if you're going into the online world, you need to differentiate Text message within 60 seconds of someone writing into your form is an absolute must. So that's number one. Number two would be those meetings. You know, you worked hard to schedule them, get them on your calendar, find the right time, send that text message 30 minutes before. Attendance rates go up, but even more so if they can't make it, they'll let you know about it. It's easier to reschedule. And then finally, it's for the ghosts, as I like to call them. When, when someone goes and ghosts you after maybe yeah. a great meeting, just kind of that friendly, fun touch point saying, hey, did you get my email? Do I have the right info? That sort of thing that can at least, you know, give you some confirmation what's going on. Are they busy? Maybe you do actually have that wrong email address. It just kind of helps that type of conversation and gives you some closure if that's what's going on. Right. And so Blue Mortgage, which is your company, you can do this right from your CRM, right? Like you can just yeah. click and click the text. Absolutely. 
so I'm curious when I do that, what's the phone number that shows up on their phone when I send the text? Is it a new phone number? Is it my own phone number? Yeah, it's a super important question. It's one we get a lot too. It's going to be a Twilio number. So we integrate with a service called Twilio, T-W-I-L-I-O, for mm-hmm. those looking that up. We ask you to buy your own number. So you own it, you have it, that sort of thing. It won't be you know, your mobile number. But what that allows you to do is to integrate it. It's going to be your company number. So if you have team members, many people can use it. Many people can see those messages. When they respond, you're going to get notified in the CRM. And if they ever call that number, you can forward it to your actual cell phone. So you can continue that conversation. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Okay. Yeah. So if you guys are listening to this, go check out bluemortgage.ca, blue with no E. Have you ever seen, <laughs> remember Sarah? Uh, my name is Sarah with no H because H's are ew. Remember, you remember, no, uh, have you ever seen, seen this? That. You got to no, see it. It's no. Jimmy okay. Fallon dresses okay. up as this like teenage girl. And he's like, I'm going to miss Sarah with no H because H's are ill. And it's just hilarious. So it's like Blue Mortgage with no E. Okay, but Mortgage, I'm going to burn yeah. it into people's brains so that they find you guys. So bluemortgage.ca, all this stuff you can do right from your platform. This is just three situations where you can use text. You know, leads when they come in, that initial, hey, thanks for your info. Let's book a call. It could be meetings to get people to show up. Another little tip on meetings. If you text somebody for the meeting and 30 minutes before they say, hey, I can't make it, call them right then and reschedule. Yeah. Because if they respond to the text... They're in front of their phone. So if you phone them, they're looking at you. They're yeah. looking at their phone. So like, if you want to elevate that conversation, hey, get them on the phone. Hey, no problem. Especially if it's if it's an existing client, it's fine. But if it's a lead, so a prospect that you haven't really, get them on the phone briefly and rebook it. Right. Yeah. And you, then, wait, you wait a day. They say, "Who are you again? Yeah. You had a meeting. What was this? Yeah. 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 So yeah. call them. And then the last on cold prospects. Hey, just confirming you got my email. Or hey, check your email address. Even it would be good to even do after you send the email. Like you could sure. actually bake yeah, that yeah. in the process and be like, hey, just send you an email. Let me know if you haven't got it. And then yeah. you're like using the 99% delivery with the 20% delivery so that you have a higher success rate. So I think that's fantastic, brother. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Tom, man. And go check out bluemortgage.ca. Thanks again. And we'll be chatting with you again soon. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again for checking out this episode today. Had a great conversation with Justin and Tom. And if you're listening to this and going, man, how do I like, you know, improve my mortgage business? I got a tip for you. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com. You can set up a free power search account. So that allows you to search hundreds of past episodes. You can keyword search. So you can type in something like banker, for instance, and you can see all the conversations that I've had with people who have a banking background to find out what they did and how they improved their business. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, set that up. And thanks again for being a listener and we'll see you in the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.